a dollar more. I've seen that picture of the broom on your Facebook page. You know why I won't be listening to I Doubt a Dollar More anymore? Because you're a fucking Golden State Warriors fan. Never forget, the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 416 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined this evening by the lovely, the talented, uh, Brittany Page. You're also joined by a creepy cardboard cutout of Donald (laughs) Trump, which is in the room with us and looking down on us i think it's life size i think it's it's pretty like i mean with it's within an inch or so of life size because they say that he's six three that's what they say well then it's under because i'm six foot three and i'm taller than the thing they also say that jeremy renner is five nine so (laughs) you know they say a lot of things a lot of things are said about height in america exactly And there's a lot of pressure on men. Yeah, so today we went down... I'm sorry, go ahead. And there's a lot of pressure on men to be tall. So they they say things. Doesn't matter what the pressure is on men, you're going to be as tall as you're going to be. Well, I'm just acknowledging that. Yeah. So we went down to the P.O. Box today, and uh, there was a, a little slip in there to go and retrieve from the postal people an item that wouldn't fit in the box and then wouldn't fit in the secondary boxes that they have. Yeah, and you were starting to be aggressive, saying that they're just lazy and don't want to put it in the secondary box. I most certainly was being a judgmental You put on your judgmental pants. Yeah. I'm always wearing my judgmental pants. You started going a little haywire. (laughs) So so we, we get it, and it's this giant... What was, you know, like a like a three feet by three feet box thin, like six inches wide, but mm-hmm. thick or whatever. So it's, you know, it's like a like a paintings in there is what you thought. Yeah. And what's hilarious about this is you thought that it would be a painting of Donald Trump. Yeah. And not far off. Yeah. A cardboard cutout sent from Chase in Virginia. Yeah. Long time listener of the show. Yes. He uh he's the one. Who, who bought, sent us a new bell. Who bought the new bell. After you broke the first and one. And also like the suicide coffee or whatever. The insane coffee. Death wish. Yeah, he just keeps the gifts a coming. Yeah. Which is really nice. Thank love, you, Chase. Love some Chase. That's yeah. great. In fact, we got a call from Chase. Oh, nice. A little later. Awesome. So thank you, Chase. Um, it, he's wearing right now a Make America Great Again hat. Yeah. That we... We found one in the street. We did not buy one. We do most certainly bought them. They aren't from Trump, though. They're from some... Oh, okay, good. You know. Yeah. Side seller on... Like uh, Hillary Clinton is now selling the hats to make some money, and yeah, we bought yeah, them probably, from her? Yeah, probably, yeah. Okay, Trying perfect. to, you know, scratch some, some dough together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's probably going to be featured in a video. Who knows? It's certainly good uh, good decoration for the, 
<laughs> the studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's also kind of an early birthday present. Yeah, it is. Your birthday is coming up here on the 21st of this month. Indeed. Mine follows six days later. Yep. On the 27th of June. That astrology thing must be something to it. Uh, all right. And... uh so thank you for the early birthday present, yes, Chase. Yes, thank you so much, Chase. I awesome. know you you orchestrated this to fall to get here on Donald Trump's birthday, which mm-hmm. is today. Yeah, 72. But, uh, we're, not, we're not taking it that way. 72 years old and as healthy as an ox. Me or? Oh, no, him. He's uh, Are you 72? 72? I am not 72. I think you're having issues today am on I? the show. Yeah, am with I? listening. Yeah. So we'll see M- how it goes. More than normal, you mean. Yeah, we'll see how the rest of the show goes. <laughs> We'll see. So it's going to be a good birthday for you. Your 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 Brittany has some big news. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I guess I'm forcing the issue. Mm-hmm. Brittany is. Well, why don't you explain the the paper? Uh, yeah, I submitted my research to uh, be published in a a journal, um, like a scientific a big, journal, a big deal scientific journal, though, right? Um. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, So, I you're wearing your modest pants today. Well, I'm. Well, I first of all, this was really hard. Um, I wanted to give up a lot, many times. Yes. Um, I (laughs) many times. We won't get into how many times and what would happen during those moments. But um, (laughs) I. It was hard. It was really hard to get to this point. So I'm. I'm happy that it is submitted. My friend Nick, Dr. Nick, Nicky Jones, um, it's Nicky Jones on Twitter. He told me, because I've been, you know, venting to him and saying, oh, what's going to happen? And he says rejection is the norm, but look at it this way. If you get rejected, you have a complete manuscript to submit to another journal. Yeah. Which is a great way to look at it. And I'm learning about the process as well. Um, I'm excited to learn more about the process of submitting to um, a journal and um, seeing how the whole process works. <laughs> I remember when I was... Pretty goddamn in depth. Yeah, I was up and coming in my academic career and debating on the Facebooks. And I'd always be like, oh, yeah, do you have a peer-reviewed article to back that claim up? <laughs> And I might have one of those if things go well. Someone might be sharing your peer-reviewed article in a Facebook argument. If things go well. Again, rejection is the norm, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I'll keep you guys updated and maybe share what I learned along the way so everyone who's interested can hear it, too. And keep your fingers crossed for me, please. Yeah, I was just I was thinking of what to say, and I thought, I am. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe in crossing of the fingers, but I'm. Uh, there's something to be said for positive vibes, even if it just makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate any positive vibes I can get, and uh, hopefully, cross our fingers, it makes it past the editor's desk, and I can at least get some feedback on it and and improve it. So, right, and it, this is based on um, a, a similar. It's like your your thesis from your master's degree. Yeah, it is about a- anti atheist prejudice. Yes. Yeah. Well, about the morality of atheists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not about anti atheist prejudice. Yeah, no, don't Although, listen to me. I'm a fucking idiot. The uh, anti atheist prejudice research is in the paper because that is part of the motivation for looking at the moral values of atheists and comparing yeah. them to believers. Yeah. So. 
A couple other things. Mm -hmm. We posted on the Facebook page and on Instagram, and I probably on Twitter, Mm -hmm. that we're doing the contest for the book. Books. Yes. Two books. Mm -hmm. We have these two heavy-duty books with Donald Trump on the cover, put together by CNN, and they're solid. They are like a coffee table book. Yeah. This isn't like a curl up with a good book in front of the fire. This is a, a hefty deal. Yes. The foreword is written by JTAP from CNN. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a really cool. There's a lot of awesome pictures in there. And it's about the 2016 election. Yeah. And like I said in the caption and also last time on the show, it will be great for initiating um, debates during Thanksgiving dinner or whatever because yeah. it's just Donald Trump's face. And so no one knows how you feel about that. Um, or maybe they do. Or and if they, the book is supportive. or Yeah, they want to ask you about yeah. it. Oh, you like Donald Trump? Why, is, why do you have a mural on your coffee table? <laughs> it's a shrine. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're doing that just like we did the, the guest host contest. Um, all you have to do is be uh, a current Patreon uh, supporter between now and then and, and between now and the end of the month. And then sometime in the first week of July, we're going to announce who the winners are, and we're going to mail them their book. If they want us to write something dumb in a book that we didn't write, we'll do that. Whatever. But, you know, it's um, another opportunity for us to give back to our Patreon or our supporters in general. Right. So I don't know if we gave the details, but if you become a Patreon supporter anytime during the month of June, you will be entered to win the contest. If you are already a Patreon supporter, you are automatically entered as long as your uh, information is current. Yeah. Um, we have two books too. I don't know if you said I that. Said that um, yeah. I I only posted about the one, but we actually have two. So we'll be giving away two books, randomly selecting two people um, after July first, and giving away two books. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. The other bit of housekeeping news that we have today, good news, hopefully for the audience, is the fact that we have decided. Brittany and I have decided. We always talk about hashtag third episode and. We're waiting for the Patreon to catch up to where we want to be before we start dedicating the kind of time and effort uh, and really the work that goes into doing episodes. Um, So what we've decided to do is every other week, the first and the third weeks of each month will be hashtag third episode weeks going forward for the foreseeable future. That's the way it's going to be. Yes. And what, I mean, obviously we're hoping that will provide enough value mm-hmm. in those weeks that we will spur people on to to become uh, Patreon supporters or or update their pledges or whatever. Right. Um, and then and then once hopefully that'll happen quickly and then we'll be able to move to first, second, third, and fourth weeks out of the month being uh, uh, hashtag third episode weeks. Right. Exactly. So we love you guys and we really we want this to be as as full time as it can be, um, and that is the way to do it. So thank you guys. If you want to do that, patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. And uh I think everything's pretty self-explanatory. So before we move on though, <laughs> if you heard the the drop at the beginning of the show, I, I want to talk about this. Hey Dollamore. I've seen that picture of the broom on your Facebook page. You know why I won't be listening to I Doubt It With Dollar More anymore? Because you're a fucking Golden State Warriors fan. Never forget, 
The Warriors blew a three-one lead. <laughs> well, one, one, I think that the the caller's being funny. Mm-hmm. I do think that. Yes. But it was kind of a weird thing for me the other day. I, look, first of all, let me say this. I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan. I am not a Cleveland Cla- I'm a I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan, and I have been since the mid-'80s. So for people like me who don't care yeah, or follow this. Yeah, there's probably a lot of people out there. Or follow this. This was the um, NBA championship deal. That's right. And, NBA finals. And, uh, <laughs> the it was NBA the, championship deal. And it was the... Cleveland Cavaliers. That is right. And with the, LeBron James. And the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden State Warriors, and, headed by Kevin Durant and, of course, the Curry. And so the Golden State Warriors won. They did. They swept okay. in four games. It's a seven game series. They won four games, the first four games, which means they just eliminated the Cavaliers. And so you posted a picture of a broom. <laughs> I, you listen, I, I'm a sports guy. Not not rabid, crazy, all-consuming of my life. That really happens more for college football. <laughs> but um, I was watching the games, and you know, the, the the last ten minutes of the game, it was obvious that nothing was going to happen. Uh, so I I just posted a simple photo of a broom that they were being swept. I didn't say anything. There was nothing. Just a picture of a broom, and I, all the sports fans got the message. But then I quickly realized. I'm not, it caused me problems. Yeah. Posts and pictures and taking sides with sports. Look, I'm a regular guy too. I want to fucking write, talk about sports. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be this. And I don't think the caller, I think they're being funny. But you think people commenting on the post? Yeah, I think, well, I don't even know specifically anybody who was problem, a problem with it. But I, I, I felt in like, oh, Jesus, this might be a problem for me. Hmm. Just because I want to post about sports. Mm-hmm. Just stick to abortion next time. <laughs> Just shitting in Donald Trump's mouth. That's okay. If you go into any team, uh, you know, taken up for any team, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I just want to clear the air out there, everybody. I am neither a Cleveland flat fan nor a Golden State fan. Okay, I am. I am. Are you you're falling asleep? I'm barely awake right now. Can we please move on? I'm not prepared. Oh, I don't like that. I'm not prepared. It doesn't even sound like me. <laughs> oh my god. We had stop a, playing it. We had Marcus from North Carolina reach out and say, "Hey, you need to make that a drop." Yeah. And uh, I love it. Tippy top shape. I'm not prepared. Oh Jesus, <laughs> so bad. Oh, uh, I'm not prepared all right let's move on we got a lot of listener communication to get to so i want to jump right in um last time on the show we played a voicemail from consistent contrarian writer of wrongs mark the mailman from illinois (laughs) and this time he was talking about us seemingly failing to call out a caller who used um Moral equivalence to the oppression that gays um, do absolutely experience here in America and the death that gets brought upon them in other uh, religious countries like Muslim nations. I will say that I have quoted uh, Mark's call at least three times since I heard it. And the specific part where he says, um, murder... (laughs) 
<laughs> or not having a cake made for you. Yeah. I think we cleared that up. And then it's, he, it, he yeah, brushes yeah. his hands off. It's almost like he was, <laughs> oh, all right, I'm done with that. Moving on to the next one. Oh, uh, yeah. it's just... So we, we got that a call. Is Mark. We got a call from here, Jeff, from here in uh, Southern California to address what he thought he heard in the Joseph call. Hey, this is Jeff in Southern California, and uh, I actually want to come to Joseph's defense. Uh, it sounded to me like he said, this is what people are saying. They're saying that Muslims are killing gays and Christians are only discriminating against them. So which is worse, there's no reason we should worry about the discrimination because the killing is worse. And, well, that was just my take on it. Uh, Both times that you played it, actually. I did not get that. That's actually how that ended as well. You did not just stop that? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's how it ended. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to send in a quick correction. It's pithy. Yeah, yeah I like it. It's great. Um, yeah, I... Again, I don't know what I heard the first time because um, I don't remember, honestly. So we still haven't heard from Joseph either. When we listened to it after Mark called, I was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't catch that. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if Mark's perception was coloring my perception. I don't remember hearing it the first time. Um, so I know I was listening. I just don't, <laughs> I just don't know that uh, I remember hearing it. So all. anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I would, I'd love to know what other people heard. Yeah. Whether it be the second time or if they caught it the first time. This is also a good lesson, though, in, and this happens all the time on the show, where uh, people kind of hear things based on their own perception or experience, yeah. and you don't necessarily mean it that way, but it comes out that way, to some people at least, and there is something interesting to that. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. It's happened here and there, but it's an interesting situation we notice it when people call to bitch at us excuse me when people call to bitch at me <laughs> and i reflect on like that is not what i said at all in fact then when i revisit the tape it's not what i said mm-hmm. and it's it is kind of a thing where they get worked up they get pissed off and then they just decide this is what i'm saying really not listening specifically to what i'm saying yeah and i think that might have been what the deal was with with joseph yeah and i'm going to continue to believe that yes um, until Joseph calls in <laughs> and clears up the record. Jeff, thanks for the call. Moving on to Salt Lake City. Hey, guys. This is John from uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm just calling in. I listened to you guys' last episode. You guys are talking about Amy Schumer getting a lot of shit from you know the right wing. And I think it all kind of uh, comes down to when she spoke up against uh, you know guns when a shooting happened in Lafayette, Louisiana, during one of her openings of her movies. Since then, the right wing has basically gone after her ever since she uh, stood up with Chuck Schumer to get some reasonable gun control policies. Uh, you know, I don't know how to stop them. Like, it's, uh, it's uh, stifling to me. But anyway, thank you guys for everything you do. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I think that... Um, that seems to be the timeline. Yeah, I think it probably picked up around then. Um, I think she's always had to deal with critics because there is um, a general mentality that 
women can't hang in the comedy scene. Yeah. And they have it a little uh, bit more. They have they have to prove themselves, right? Um, a bit more than men do. Men have the benefit of being thought of as like automatically funny yeah, when yeah. they come out. Um, not to me, or of for, course. Or but, at the very least, having to work a little less hard to be considered funny. Yes. And of course, my beloved Hitch contribute, contributed to that. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, with his Vanity Fair article or whatever it was, that women can't be funny or women are not funny. Um, he just never met me. Am I right, guys? Uh, <laughs> I would have turned that right around. I'm not prepared. Ah, oh, shit. Um, but yeah, she and she still is active. She still posts pictures of those uh, women that were killed at the screening of her movie. Yeah. And um, and luckily for her, I mean, one, she's got a platform because she's a celebrity. But Chuck Schumer is like a second cousin. Yeah. They're related. So. Yeah. You know, getting in the the political scene probably wouldn't be too difficult for someone of her uh, celebrité. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got to help a little easier that she's got some blood relation. Well, this is actually... John- I mean, if she were Rudy Giuliani, she'd be fucking him. John makes a good point, and it actually connects to the Rotten Tomatoes thing that we were talking about, because um, conservatives attack like liberal movies, quote unquote, liberal movies. Yeah. Like the RBG um, documentary that came out. If you go look at the audience reviews. It is unbelievable. People are like, oh, this is liberal trash. You know, they haven't even seen However, it, but they're calling it liberal trash. Atheists do the same fucking thing. No, yeah. To God is not to dead. To God is not dead, which we've made fun of on the show, but I'm not going to waste time to go give it a bad review. Well, I think that we watched the first one, and so I gave it a half star on Rotten Tomatoes because I but watched, we watched it. it. But I didn't go write anything about it. Yeah. Oh, Greg Kinnear, what a what we're talking about is Greg is, Kinnear in that movie? No, it's uh the Hercules guy, why Kevin I, Sorbo. Why do I think Greg Kinnear? He's been in a couple of those G's, like the the I saw Heaven or whatever. Oh, when the kid dies and right. goes to heaven. That's quote, right, unquote. right, right. Yeah. He meets Jesus. Yeah, but. I, I, we saw the movie. What happens with Amy Schumer? And then we're getting off this. Jesus, we're wasting too much time. And and what happens with those dicks is it's when the movie just gets denounced and it gets put up on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's months from its release date. Mm-hmm. No one's even viewed it and they're giving it a bad review. Right. That's not cool. At least see the goddamn movie. Anyway, thanks, call. Thanks for the call, John. Thanks, call for the John. We really appreciate it. That's great. Huh, Brittany? It's great. <laughs> Too much time. Move it along. Let's go. Anyway, my Here, pace. Here, quickly. Too much my time. My pace. Too much time. What is that? <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if it was last time on the show or the time before, but Heather from Arkansas called in, said she had just been on vacation with in-laws, and it was very troubling because they are hyper-Republican, they are big Trump supporters, and they were also saying hateful racist things while she was trapped in a car which led her to tears not really knowing how to handle it and we have awesome listeners who have reached out um many of them to console her and give her advice and just to talk about it Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. This is Laura calling from Buffalo, New York. I'm calling in response to Heather's email about her bigoted and racist mother-in-law. I just wanted to let her know that I also feel for her. I have 
um, a bigoted and racist father uh, who I am very close to and have always been really close to my whole life. And it's a struggle. It's quite literally a daily struggle for me. I don't live with him or near him, actually. He uh, lives in a different state than I do, uh, and that certainly helps, but it can be really hard sometimes. Um, This is something I'm really excited that we're talking about on the podcast because it's something that I have struggled with ever since the election of Donald Trump because I never actually realized how bad it was until now, unfortunately. Um, And I just wanted to say the, the number one thing that I have done to deal with it is to make sure that I stop using Facebook. Um, I did that a couple, well, I don't know, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, because uh, that was a really big point of contention for not only me and my father, but also my little brother. And I have an aunt who is a religious anti-choice zealot. Uh, and that was another one of my family members that was very hard for me to deal with. Um, and you know, I agree with what Brittany and Jesse said that you stand up to them when you can and you, you know, give them facts. But the hardest part about the whole thing is just like you said, is, is remaining unemotional because that's what is hardest for me is to think that someone I have become very close to and who made me my father is as bigoted as he is. And the hardest for me is the misogyny, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure that I'm really helping and this is coming up to three minutes, but just, you know, just remember, just try to always remain above them when it comes to stuff like this, never resort to the name calling and, you know, the things that, that the people on the right do the most. That's the other thing that I try to do because my father has never been challenged by someone he loves so deeply before like me. And that's, I think one of our biggest issues. And I just try to always remain the calm one. And that really helps my case. I think, um, anyways, coming up on three minutes, I'm with you, Heather. Love you guys. Bye. I think really that 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 listen, she, Laura said multiple times she doesn't know that she's helping. I think this is a help. I would assume this is a help. It's if anything, it's letting Heather know she's not alone. You're not the only one out there facing this type of problem. It's not like Heather said that she thought she was. But you know, there, there's strength in in knowing you're you're. You've got people out there who are going through the same thing. Yeah. So we have another message for Heather. And this one is from Sarah. And uh, she says, Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I'm a longtime listener. And I'm finally taking the leap to engage in conversation for the first time. This is not for you two. This is for Heather, the woman who emailed in last episode about her in-laws. I am in the exact situation as you, Heather. I married to a wonderful man whose parents hold some horrifying views. I love them, but they are very backwards in their thinking, and sometimes it can get very difficult. Currently, one of the jobs I do is at a Jewish center helping immigrants and refugees transition and get their citizenship. 
I hit the dumb whammy in racist bingo. My father-in-law has said some truly disgusting things to me about my work and what I do. Why are you letting these terrorists in? Can't you stop them from getting their citizenship? These people need to learn to be Americans. Yeah. Right? He has also attacked Democrats, calling them Nazis, called rape survivors liars looking for attention, and has called the football players un-American cowards. Irony of the day, he never voted prior to the 2016 election. Our situation is different because nine out of ten times I always snap back with a carefully worded retort that strongly defeats their ignorant comment in a way that they can't understand, so there is almost never a fight. Yes, there has been heated moments, but I never allow myself to get too angry. The key is knowing what they are. They are ignorant and they are never going to change. I know that's very mean and I am imagining Brittany cringing as I write this, but it is so helpful and it gets me through many family events where everybody is going around the circle talking about why unarmed black boys are really the ones at fault for their own murders. Parenthetically, a lot of cops in this family and not the good kind. If I treat these people like innocent children, we can coexist. They don't know better. Jesse, you're right. They take marching orders from their orange-faced leader and regurgitate the BS because they lack any brain cells that would allow them to formulate a coherent thought on their own. No way am I defending their idiotic opinions, but in order to keep my marriage going and keep my sanity, this is the only way I can function. Heather, stay strong and just know that you are not alone. There are hundreds of frustrated men and women out there rolling their eyes and drinking too much wine at family functions (laughs) while listening to Uncle Gary spew racist slurs at the dinner table. Uncle Gary! Just know that your family, you and your spouse, the shining example of the good that can come out of the hate. Much love, everyone. Sarah, the wife rolling her eyes and drinking too much wine. Wine emoji, thumbs up emoji. (laughs) (laughs) got to get everything in there right i love it thank you sarah for the email why did she say that i would be cringing because you're kind of the civil communicator on facebook i think no she said that after she said the key is knowing what they are they are ignorant and they are never going to change i know Mm. that's mean and Brittany is cringing cringing because you 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 often espouse the 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 hope the theory that you can change people's minds because you've had people come to you having changed their mind yeah yeah but that doesn't mean that i believe that everyone is capable of changing right yeah, yeah. um do i believe that my parents will stop being white supremacists probably not probably not yeah um i don't remember how old my mom is but um if she was gonna stop, she would have stopped. Listen, there are there are some cases where past past performance is indicative of future results, and th- sometimes that's just what you got to chalk it up to. Yeah, so I, I I definitely get that, and that's part of the dilemma here, right? Is figuring out when it is um, justified to make an attempt to talk to someone and try to get them to see the facts, but also realizing. Are facts going to change this person's mind? Yeah. How much time have they had to learn the facts and they were uninterested in learning the facts? I have a quick story. So, I love them. I get this daily email that sends me notable figures in the news. Um, like they just select certain figures in the news, like numbers, huh. and cover them and explain what's going on. And one of them was about golf. 
and it said about the sport of golf yes and it said that um the number of players has gone down over the years like substantially yeah like from 30 million to 20 million or something um and that it's just not as popular as it used to be. And so I sent it to one of my friends who is an avid golfer. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a relatively new hobby. Apparently, it, it's not. Um, they've been golfing for quite some time. And their reaction was, huh, that's weird. Because every golf course I go to is always so busy. I can hardly, like, it takes me hours to get through. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And the data you provided them were from a reputable statistics organization. It wasn't just like, yeah, well, we think golf is not as popular. They had hard data. Well, I mean, I don't know if they think that, like, the Russians are, like, this is Russian propaganda (laughs) to try to over... I mean, I don't know what the motivation would be for it to be fake, but, yeah, they... But they discounted what you said out of hand because of what they witnessed when they go golf at the couple of golf courses they golf. Yeah, and so I was taking some time to think about this and I was like how often does this happen where you present someone with data or some sort of fact and they say, "Huh. Well, I haven't blah 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 blah." And yeah. you're just sitting there like, "Wait a minute, are you listening? Like this is nationally representative, this, you know, whatever the case." And you try to explain to them and they're like, "Yeah, but you know, when I go out, that's not what I see. So I can't even imagine or like understand. And that seems to be the biggest hurdle that we need to get over right now of not being able to see past our own experience and understand what life is like for other people. Yeah. We can't just discount findings because we don't understand them or we don't experience it a certain way and even though it was something so innocuous just about golf it was a lesson of how this happens in so many other areas politics everything yeah sure and about how we can all do better and accept information that's accurate or at least we hope even if it's outside our experience okay so let's move on So we have one more call for Heather, for you, Heather, talking to you, directly to you, Heather. Another listener wants to share their experience relative to uh, bad relatives. (laughs) Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jamie from Washington. And I haven't called in before, and I, of course, listen to the show all the time. Um, But I wanted to call in response to Heather, who called in about um, the hateful things that her in-laws say uh, around them when they get together. And uh, I am in a similar situation with my in-laws. They are not to that degree, uh, but definitely would say, you know, the N-word and hateful things and don't, don't agree with uh, anyone being gay and uh, that it's wrong and a sin. And um, the way that we handled it, especially because we have children in the house, is that we, I, I went to my husband and said, look, like, this is not okay for them to say these things. And um, I need your help. Like, I, they can't be saying these things at our house. And um, so we sat down with them and it really was led by my husband to say, look, uh, you know, what you're, what you are thinking and saying is 
we don't agree with and it's wrong. And if you want to be a part of our lives, then you can't say those things in our house, especially around our children. And it was it was a process and it took a while. Uh, but eventually they got to a point where they don't they don't say those hateful things in our house. They don't say them to us. They know where we stand on things. Um, and I think that in some ways they've changed their minds because of the stance that we took. Uh, so, I mean, our relationship is, is great, and um, I hope that we change them in, in some small way. But overall, it, they, they don't say those things in our house, which was kind of the – or around us, which is our which was our goal. So, hope that helps. Love the show. Love you both. Talk to you later. So, look at that. Change. I love all the new communication from – from listeners who have never reached out. Yeah, me too, for sure. Um, and that was particularly awesome because I think that uh, when we think of these situations, it's we want to shy away from like active engagement because it's uncomfortable. And you, I mean, it's uncomfortable when you correct somebody or when you yeah. tell them, I don't agree with that. Um, maybe not for people like me and you who are used to mixing it up in that way. Um, but even with people close to us there, you're, you're trying to navigate delicate relationships and you want to, sure. you want to keep people in your life and you love them. And especially for in-laws, I think, yeah, because you don't want to hurt the feelings of your partner or alienate them. You know, like in the in the Jamie situation, her mm-hmm. husband, mm-hmm. she doesn't. She loves her husband. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to to alienate him by ostracizing his parents, right? But there is a there's a especially when you got kids, right? There there is a balance there, right? Um, it's tough. Fuck. It's there's no easy answers. Yeah. So this this seems like a a great way to do it. Just an honest conversation about. How you don't agree, and you'd appreciate it if you'd, you know, not say those things yeah. uh, around we the family. Lo- we love you, right? But for this to be a uh, a decent symbiosis between us, you're, you're going to have to cut it the fuck out, right. in front of the kids. And then she even said that she thinks it might have changed them a bit. Yeah, it's kind of like legislating morality, where. Everybody's, you know, discriminating against blacks in the fifties and sixties, and then you, 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 or gay marriage, you know, you do it, you, 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 you illegalize discrimination, and then you know, not even a generation later, it's just the norm. It's like, of course, you, everybody can use the same water fountain. Of course, gays can be married. Mm-hmm. So you, you do change hearts and minds, whether they know it or not. That's it. Kind of does open the door for acceptance and, yeah. Uh, a more genteel way of thinking. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Awesome. So thanks for the calls and the advice for, for Heather. I'm sure she appreciates it on her behalf and Brittany's behalf. Let me thank everybody yes. who took part in this. I think it's uh, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've, we, we do have some other voicemails, but I think we have another, uh, another email. Yes, this is from an anonymous person. So again, we want to remind you that if you want to remain anonymous... We will um, honor that request. So if you email us and you say, hey, don't mention my name, we will not do that. We will not. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I was mentally preparing to discuss this issue with the show just last week. In light of the recent celebrity suicides, you will probably be discussing this anyway. I am very reluctant to discuss this. I'm comfortable with you guys knowing 
and it does need to be discussed, but I would appreciate my name not be mentioned on air. Also, this is a topic best discussed in a conversation rather than an email, so bear with me. I have anxiety and depression diagnosed by the VA, probably in large part caused from my childhood. My dad was very abusive. Who knows? Stuff happens and stuff catches up with you. Let's just say Marine Corps boot camp was just another day in the park for me mentally. My take on this is the problem with depression and anxiety is that when you have it, mostly you don't know that you do. If you do recognize it, you can't tell anyone. One, nobody wants to hear your problems. Everyone has their own. Even family members and spouses don't really want to deal with it. They just need you to be the guy and take care of the family. Be a stable member of the family unit. Do your part. Number two, before you ever get to a place where you need to ask for help, oftentimes you become an asshole first or moody or unpleasant and friends and family members just write you off as that. No one wants to deal with a moody asshole. So essentially you push people away. Also, it may not be full on suicidal depression, just enough to make you a moody asshole. Three, you tend to socially isolate yourself, become disinterested in all the things that used to give you joy. So again, people just think you are uninterested in them and don't care. So you become isolated even more. Number four, you see all the posts with a phone number tell you to ask for help. The shame, the job ramifications, expectations, responsibilities, the fear all prevent you from asking. Also, there are things that you can never discuss with anybody ever. Ultimately, you feel as if you don't deserve help because deep down you feel worthless and don't want to be a burden. It's not logical, makes no sense. Success is not a factor, and suicide may never be on the table. Just a life of being a moody asshole sabotaging your relationships, or just powering through in pain. Many people mask it with alcohol and drugs. Not my deal, though. Suicide seems selfish, and that was my previous view, but there is way more to it. It's complicated. Well, as I reread my email, I may have been talking more about me than in general, but I hope there are some nuggets for discussion. I appreciate you taking the time to read my ramblings. Thanks for the show. You guys are doing a great job. Talk to you soon. Heavy. So. Important. Um, I, we, we haven't talked about um, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. I think partially because we both had a hard time with it. Um, I'm having a hard time right now. So when I woke up and saw the alert about Anthony Bourdain, um, I immediately started crying. And I I was crying on and off throughout the day. And um, I didn't even watch his show that much. So I don't know why it affected me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be several things um but part of it was that he i identify with people like him um has had more life experience um particularly with like negative things um and he's a little bit more gruff and intimidating i guess yeah and i don't know he just seems like my kind of people you know and it bums me out when someone who has been through hell um, and made it out for that long, um, you know. Succumbs to their demons. Yeah. So that's been a hard one for me. Um, it, it, it's been as hard for me. Um, I didn't initially react like you did right away. I mean, you you really, it, it hit you, you. There was a lot of crying that morning. Um, 
I was a. Uh, I'm not a guy who collects books of people or has pictures of people or posts about a bunch of people, but Anthony Bourdain was a guy who I caught every single thing he did. And he was a troubled guy. And that's why this this email from this anonymous listener is so poignant. Um, he describes what I what I can only imagine happens with people who who suffer from the very real mental health affliction of depression and talking about the deeper and deeper and deeper isolation, even if it's self-inflicted, where you make things hard for those that love you. Yeah, and they pull back. Yeah, so I think that this this person really touched on something important and um, something positive that I saw happen as a result of this terrible news um, was people sharing their own experiences with depression and anxiety and suicidality. Um, and I saw it from notable figures. Um, Chrissy Teigen has yeah. been open about suffering from postpartum depression after she had... Um, her first child and she tweeted and said, you know, the phone number is great. Um, but I wouldn't have known to call unless my doctor said something and my husband said something about the way I was behaving and acting. I wouldn't have done anything. And I, I, I appreciate that sentiment and also that sentiment in here. Although I think people should still share the numbers and make those widely available. Um, because the calls to those hotlines go up substantially after a celebrity suicide. Um, and they're important and useful. Yeah. But this is touching on an important point, which is if you love somebody and they're starting to withdraw from you or they're, they're starting to be uninterested in things and you're starting to notice little things and they're moody, um, check in on them and don't give up, even if they're being quote unquote difficult. Um, there are resources out there. Help them find yeah. them. Help them find them. There are low-income sliding scale counseling centers. If you live in a big city, they will be there and accessible to you. Search for them. Especially um, your friends. Their life, the life of your friend is worth the work. It's worth reaching out. Even if it's a pain in the ass, you might save their fucking life. Anyway, sorry. The I, I, I think talking to people and really letting people know that there are services out there, like you were talking about, the, the sliding scale, free or very low cost. It's not always an astronomical cost to sit down and talk to somebody. Yeah, and if you live in the Southern California area, they are around. If you are looking for something... They're out there. People think that um, counseling is like not affordable or it's not helpful. Um, it's important. And you don't just have to go to a doctor um, and, and try to figure it out that way. There are other other paths. And uh, this person that wrote the message alluded to that also, you know, the fear of going in and, and telling somebody, telling a doctor. Um, all of that takes it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of strength. Um, and there needs to be a support system in place for someone to do that. So, 
I, I think talking about all this openly is positive. Um, and I, I don't know what else to say other than we'll, we'll get through it together. Hang in there. More calls and emails after the break. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Nick. Nick. Is our latest supporter. Thank you. And remember, we're running the contest this month, so you got about 15 days to get in there, become a Patreon supporter. If you're already a Patreon supporter, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We appreciate you and love you. The loyalty and the dedication to the show that you show uh, is awesome, and you're you're in the contest. So if you want one of those books, um, become a Patreon supporter. And you'll be entered to win. And you will be entered to win one of them. The other thing... Is buying stuff on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- every little bit goes a long way. Dollamore.com slash Amazon will redirect you to Amazon where you just shop like normal and uh, it read it figures it out because of the, the science. <laughs> if you are looking for some Dollamore merch, Dollamore.info. Anyway, that's all we have to say. About all of that. Other than review and rate the show on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Brittany E. Page and at Dollamore. All right. More calls. More emails. Washington State. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. Uh, My name is Kendall. I'm calling from Washington State. I wanted to give a couple of comments on things from the last couple episodes. Uh... First is you guys had made, um, or Jesse had made a type of uh, maybe disparaging comment is towards uh, David Smalley. I used to listen to him uh, fairly often. Eventually, it kind of just started getting pretty bored with his stuff after he uh, moved to California or whatever. Um, so, but I'm wondering what it was exactly that he's been saying uh, that is maybe off uh to you guys and i'd just like to know um uh next is uh uh, trump's meeting and whatever with kim uh being talked about as historic and such and i would just like to say that it's i think uh every president ever has made history um and has done something historic i think it comes with the power of being a president so it's not very special if if at all um i know you know whatever so uh and then another thing was uh so trump had made some sort of comment of in an interview uh, about oh it costs so much money to you know, fly jets or whatever over to do these, you know, quote, war game things. And, man, it, you know, six hours it flies to... And so what about uh, his flying back and forth to Mar-a-Lago and the amount of money that he charges or that his hotel seems to charge and stuff? 
uh, to all the state people, um, you know, the people that are in his cabinet and so and security and such. Uh, and how often does he do that? Um, how many hours has he been flying back and forth just to sleep in some other room? Uh, that he's more comfortable in or something? I don't know. Anywho, um, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, it's the first podcast that both me and my wife have been able to listen to together and, um, that we both enjoy. So, uh, hey, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, Brittany is the best part. <laughs> oh, so, Jesus. Eh. <laughs> Jesse, I like you too, but. Oh. Yeah. You so, fucked yeah, There you go. You fucking ruined it. Oh. You ruined it by saying Britney was the best and then trying to pull me back in with the good graces. That was incredible. Um, I just, just want to rem- say... I want everybody to remember... I'm not prepared! No, I... <laughs> I want to say that you can tell Kendall is not from um, California because he uses his ticker. He uses his, his turn signal, yeah. Yes, um, which is called the ticker. No one calls it a ticker, I call you. it a ticker, and that's what it is, and feel free to also call it that, um, <laughs> because that's what it's called. Start, starting a movement. So, um, yeah, no one here uses a signal. But anyway... Um, David Smalley. David Smalley. So that is... Uh, you can say what you say, and then I'll say something first. <laughs> that's how the show goes. So... Um, <laughs> I first met him at the first atheist event that we went to. And I don't remember why we went to it. Um, I think we wanted to just meet Brian Bell or something, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. We were connected with him and he was going to be there. and Yeah, I don't Maybe remember. something like that. I don't know. But anyway, he was there and he was just very off-putting to me um, as soon as I met him. I just He um, acted like he was a celebrity. Um, like he was the most important person in the room and I didn't even, I didn't know who he was. I was like, why is this person acting like this? Who is that? Like, yeah. am I supposed to know who they are? Listen, he's not a fucking celebrity now. He certainly wasn't one. Well, I just don't like, like eight years I just ago don't like when people act like that. So that yeah. was very off putting, but now he's become the regressive leftist guy who talks about regressive leftists and how the left has gone too far. The he, radical left. He's like Dave Rubin light. Yeah, and I just, it's hard to take people seriously when they start talking about the radical left. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, listen, I don't, I don't listen to David Smalley. I've never been, I, like, I, at one time I subscribed to his podcast. That lasted about 15 minutes, and then I was, that was enough for me. And I, I'm not going to shit in the guy's mouth, um, but I got the same vibe as Brittany. You know, look, some people you just don't, you don't jive with. Look, there's a lot of people who meet me, and they... Very quickly, you're not a fan of Jesse D. That's that's okay. I, I, I've come to grips with that. David Smalley's one of those guys. I'm just not a fan. I think he's uh, kind of a smarmy. I, I edited out some stuff during the conversation with Ryan Bell on the bonus episode last time. Where I called him a dick. I'm not going to edit that out. I think he's kind of a dick. I'm kind of a dick in many ways, so it's not, not a total indictment. Um, but like you said, it does bother me, this attachment to, like he's doing this talk with with two guys that I have zero respect for, and that's Peter Bogosian and that James Lindsay guy about intersectionality, because they are vociferous opponents to women's and gender studies. 
Is anyone arguing for intersectionality in that discussion? It's four fucking white dudes talking about it. So no. So they're having a conversation about intersectionality and no one is there to represent the opposing view? Yes. That is exactly right. I think they invited someone who said they saw the panel and they're like, yeah, no, thank you. And they're going to forge ahead with the conversation. So it was going to be four against one? I guess. Yeah. See, this is what's weird to me about this whole movement is um, people are like, so you need to be uh, you need to give the other side a chance to talk. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll invite one and we'll have it be four against one. Yeah. Well, well, no one's going to show up for that. I mean, I wouldn't even want to show up for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So he, I guess. If that's the way that it Smalley apparently down. is, uh, he's moderating the discussion. So anyway, look, I don't know. You know, I have, uh, everyone has a choice of what podcast they subscribe to and listen to, who they support with their money. Um and, uh, you know, we we lost some people, a lot of people, when we shit on Sam Harris a little bit. And uh, we might lose some now, but it's just what it is. It's what it is. I really hope that everybody would uh, would understand the, you know, you just don't, you don't, you don't love everybody. You don't like everybody. You don't agree with everybody. Um. I guess that's about it. And as far as the North, uh, the North, I almost said North Carolina. As far as those fuckers in North Carolina and their dictator, North Korea. Um, listen, D- Donald Trump, he is so divorced from reality and his followers, his hardcore MAGA-American followers are so divorced from reality that there, it doesn't matter to them that he is spending more money on vacations in one year than Obama spent in like several years. It doesn't matter to them that it is a training exercise and whether they fly to South Korea or whether they fly around the island a bunch of times, that jet's going to be in the air for six hours. Anyway, it's not a... So it, it, it's a, he's obfuscating. He's trying to create a diversion that works on morons and doesn't work on the, the large, vast majority of our audience. It is uh, some days more than I can handle, Kendall. So thank you for the call. I hope we answered everything. Kind of got sidetracked there. (laughs) Anyway, we we appreciate it uh, very much. Moving on to Indiana. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. This is Mandy from Indy, and I was just calling to continue the conversation that my girl Rissy brought up about members of our community being expected to be kind in the face of discrimination and I've kind of had a front row seat to this with a couple stories that came out of Indiana one of the most viral of them was the Brownsburg teacher who refused to call transgender students by their new legal first names based on his religion Uh, an argument I saw a lot on these posts from far right uh, individuals was that we were being intolerant to his intolerance. And that's that's not how any of that works, but I also don't understand the assumption that we are just supposed to be complicit when we're told that we're less than. And it also seems, to me at least, very entitled from a religion that feels like they're so persecuted. 
that we should all just accept the way that they feel about their religion and we should abide by that. It just it is an interesting argument. And I, it's the same thing that I saw with the CrossFit initiative here, also in Indianapolis. They were holding a Pride Day workout, and the owner, CEO of that branch, decided to cancel it because it was against his religious beliefs, and he didn't want to celebrate Pride. He faced a ton of backlash from this staff People withdrew their memberships. Those who uh, lease out the uh, the ownership of the of the franchise. There we go. There's the word. Uh, withdrew his franchiseship or whatever, and he no longer has his business. And that was another argument that we were just being intolerant of his religious decisions. Well. We don't have to spend our money there. We, we don't have to be involved. That's not a requirement of us. If you decide that you do not like our, our sexuality or our gender identity, then that's your decision. But it's also our decision on whether or not we associate with you or we spend our money there because we have amenity. I was just interested to see what your thoughts and feelings are on this intolerance to intolerance ideology. Um, You guys are fantastic. Thank you for moving the conversation forward. Bye. Bye. Um, I don't know that there's anything to add. I'm clearly, listen, it is another one of those ridiculous narratives that get dragged out by the upwards of 70% of the Christian population in America. They're 70%. They're the vast majority of the population in the country. And they act like they're being uh, targeted and, 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 and persecuted by the, by the paltry, disparate 30% plurality of other faiths. That we're all banding, to, I'm banding together with the Sikhs and the and the, the the Jews and the Muslims. I'm colluding with these other religious groups to oppress. Well, it wouldn't even be Muslims because you know they're not uh, they're not on board with treating gays correctly either. It's just it's bullshit. You're not oppressed if you're a Christian in America. You are the oppressor. That's just how it is. Hey, look the fuck around. Dollars to donuts, what oppression is happening in America, it's at the hands of some um, wild, ravenous, rabid uh, religious figure. Not always, but the vast majority of the time. And the reason that is, is likely because the vast majority of oppressors oppressors are Christians, are religious figures, religious people, mm-hmm. people who have some, some, some God-given right to, to practice their deeply held religious convictions, which include oppressing and discriminating against people who don't believe and act and live their lives like them. Well, it's like that quote, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Yeah. And there's exactly it. There's many um, 
studies that have been coming out saying that uh, white evangelical Christians are experiencing kind of a culture shock, a lot of fear about how um, they are on the way out and their way of life, their domination um, in the society is is dying out. So uh, they're having a bit of a hard time with that. And I suspect that they will continue to have a hard time with that. But it's got to be tough. But you know what? But things are changing. That is it. Yes. So, you know, Ugh. they'll get used to it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is. Well, they have really no choice. Yeah. Thank you for the emails, everybody. Thank you for the for the voicemails and the voice memos. We appreciate them so much helping us move the conversation forward. I do have one more voicemail. And that's from Chase. But we're going to roll that into Dollamocracy because it deals with Corey Stewart, who just got elected, the racist who just got nominated uh, for the general election to run in the Senate campaign, uh, the Senate election in Virginia against Tim Kaine. So I guess we're kicking off um, third episode this week with an extra long extravaganza episode. That's right. Um, Because we're just going to keep going, guys. No other way to do it than that. Um, So I saw a tweet today that I want to talk about, um, and it was from Claire Lemon. And she is the, I think she's the founder and the editor of the online magazine Quillette. And let me look at her bio and make sure. Yes, founder and editor. Look at that. Which is one of the aspects of the intellectual dark web. Yeah, so they, they publish <laughs> or she publishes a, a lot of writing that would be classified as like supported by an intellectual dark web figures yeah. i guess it's like a free thinking website apparently so quote she, unquote she retweeted <laughs> a a tweet from nature which is a um scientific journal and this was their tweet it was an editorial and it said institutions have a moral and ethical duty to make scientific research more diverse and representative. Improving the participation of underrepresented groups is not just fairer, it could produce better research. Okay? Seems pretty straightforward. Seems like a great great thing to say. She retweets it and says, "Imagine if the Vatican said that institutions have an ethical duty to make science more Christian." This is no different. Zero difference. None. Wait, wait, wait. That last part she actually said, this is no difference. Zero difference. None. This is no different. Zero difference. None. Mm -hmm. And she's supposed to be like in a science or a, she's a thinker and she said that? Correct. Can I just off the top, what strikes me first right away Mm -hmm. is saying... Say it again about the Vatican. I want to make sure I'm thinking about this. Imagine if the Vatican said that institutions have an ethical duty to make science more Christian. So she's saying that Nature magazine, the the journal, saying we need more diverse, more people involved in science and the publication of research. More people. Mm -hmm. She's saying that that is the exact same thing as saying... Christians, more like fewer people, making the sample smaller is the same thing as wanting it to be more diverse and larger. That is ridiculous. That is arguing from from a very general position to a very specific 
You, you can see what I'm saying? Yeah, I absolutely see what you're saying. Um, I'm not saying it very well, but I'm no, glad I, you I get, get it. I get what you're saying, yeah. So, um, luckily, many people have pushed back on this. Good. Um, and I just want to... I want to... First of all, let's let's talk about the premise. Um, increasing representation in science. People ask more diverse questions. They go after different areas of research that maybe just white people aren't going to look at. White men, they're going to have different experiences that they bring to the table, different things they want to investigate, different things they want to look at, right? For sure. And how could that not improve science and the type of questions that are asked and the cumulative knowledge that we build? Um I don't understand why anyone would be against that. She seemed pretty aggressive in her pushback, too. In addition to that, um, I want to read from the Nature article, um, quote, A more representative workforce is more likely to pursue questions and problems that go beyond the narrow slice of humanity that much of science, biomedical science in particular, is currently set up to serve. For example, a high proportion of the research that comes out of the Western world uses tissue and blood from white individuals to screen drugs and therapies for a diverse population. Yet it is well known that people from different ethnic groups can have different susceptibility to some diseases. Absolutely. Now, this is the second paragraph in this article. (laughs) I wonder if she clicked on it. Did she click on it? Did she read it? Did she make it that far? Did she read that paragraph and think... Yeah, who gives a fuck about that? I don't I don't understand how anyone has a problem with what's being presented in this article. Um, not only that, but there's actually proof that ethnic diversity increases scientific impact. And there are data on this. Yeah, there's a study from researchers in um, at a university in the United Arab Emirates. And they looked at five types of uh, diversity, ethnicity, discipline, gender, affiliation, and academic age. And they found that ethnic diversity was the strongest predictor of a field scientific impact Hmm. and um, strong. It was a strong impact on the field. Um, So I, I just, I don't understand, again, these are people that are supposed to care about evidence, you know, supposed to care about um, like the language that is used. This article isn't inflammatory. It's not making a bunch of claims that are unfounded. Yeah. I I just I don't understand the the knee-jerk reaction like is it cuz it had the word diversity in it and she has like a knee-jerk reaction to the word diversity and automatically thinks diversity is bad or yeah, I think well it's very similar to what's happening. I don't know that it's the exact same thing, but she traffics with these same people who have a four-man white man panel discussing intersectionality. Well, that, that, that's the thing I also want to say, because they also believe in viewpoint diversity, right? Where yeah. they believe that like conservatives are not represented enough on campuses. And they're, and, they're not. And certain, exactly. And certain people get shut down their speeches, and so there should be more of a viewpoint diversity. So they don't seem to have an issue where it relates to viewpoint diversity, they want more diversity there. But you have nature say, hey, um, people in power, you should reach out to um, underrepresented communities and ensure that they feel like they have a chance to enter into scientific academic fields and help them secure those positions so that they are more represented 
in positions of power in academia to further facilitate other people from underrepresented groups coming into the ranks. Which the data supports. So I, I just, these are the kinds of like notable figures on Twitter. Okay, Claire Lemon, who has uh, almost 77,000 followers on Twitter, um, edits the online magazine that Jordan, yeah. Jordan Peterson promotes to yeah. get more money. And this is the kind of stuff that they tweet. And she didn't delete the tweet, even though many um, social scientists responded to her and were like, here's evidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that this is actually a good thing. Sticking by her guns. And she, yeah, she's not deleting it. She's not backing down. In fact, she doubled down. She tweeted another thing um, about it and she's not backing down as of now. We'll see what happens. So but- when you hear about, what is it, Quillum? Quillette. Quillette. Eh. Take take what they what they publish with a grain of salt because if you know a fish rots from the head if she's that recalcitrant and and kind of a jackass what are they publishing over there so I want to I'm just not a fan so I want to talk about one more thing and it's an interesting study that I found um, conducted by researchers at um, California universities um, it was published in the Journal of Social Forces. And they found that opposition to welfare programs has um, increased among white Americans since 2008. So more white Americans disagree with social welfare programs. Yes, oppose them. Oppose them. Um, And this is even when they control for political views and socioeconomic status. Hmm. So they're more likely to favor welfare cuts when they believe that their status is being threatened. And we've heard this before, right? But not only that, they also are more likely to favor them when they believe that minorities are going to be the main beneficiaries of the safety net programs. Wow. I mean, not shocking, but it's good that there's data on this now. That There's research. There's something to, to bolster that, that, uh, that talking point. Well, and we've, we've kind of seen this before, this pattern, and we've talked about it on the show, that like racial anxiety is really driving a lot of these feelings um, and a lot of the support for Donald Trump and yes. white evangelical Christians supporting Donald Trump because they fear their status is threatened. And they feel or, you know, because of the talking point from Fox News or whatever, that they're being persecuted. They're 70 percent of the population. But they're on op- they're, they are an oppressed minority, according to them. Yeah. And so you have this kind of tug of war between, well, is this about the conservative principles or is this because I fear my losing my status? And you're starting to see kind of this shift toward at least, you know, several research articles, a handful of research articles that we've talked about on the show, um, illustrating that it's probably less conservative principles in some cases and more the fear of losing the status. Yeah. And of, of not being large and in charge as a white American anymore. Because the demographics are shifting. White people are still the dominant force. The, the, the supremacy is held by whites in America right now. But, you know, the, the, the clock is ticking on that. The time is running out for that to be the case. 
So in one part of the experiment, they quizzed participants um, on their feelings about welfare. After they looked at a graph um, charting the demographic change in the United States, um, and then another in which participants took a similar quiz after looking at information on average income by race and the demographics of welfare recipients. Huh. And after that, after looking at the charts that showed that they would become a racial minority within 50 years, uh, white Americans called for deeper cuts to welfare programs. Wow. And they also opposed welfare programs more when they were told that people of color would benefit most from them. Uh, that's racist. So, um, unconscious, unconscious, maybe in a lot of cases, but that is racism. Yeah. So it seems like it's not um, like a political issue. There. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and like you said, there, whatever's going on, it doesn't seem to be purely a political position. Right, an earnest policy decision. It's fear of losing, not being the, the, the top dog anymore. Right. Eey. Wow. Well, that is interesting. We would love to hear what you think. We'd love to get your listener communication, your, your feedback. Um, on this or any other topics that we've talked about today or any other episode, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those, those voice memos to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Just sh record them on your smartphone and shoot them over. That is awesome. All right. Moving on. Democracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. As promised, we have one final voicemail from Chase from Virginia, who is in the belly of the beast right now relative to a Senate election that is going to be Tim Kaine, former vice presidential candidate, running mate of Hillary Clinton, and uh, Corey Stewart who is a racist, who called Paul Nellen, the, the man who was running against Paul Ryan, mm -hmm. in primary, where he's a Republican, called him his hero. Paul Nellen is an avowed anti-Semite, an avowed white supremacist. Corey Stewart is a racist. Corey Stewart is a white supremacist. He's trying to back away from that now because now he's got a little bit of mainstream juice, but he is. Here's the call from Chase. Hey, Jess. Hey, Brandy. It is Chase from Virginia. Today's the Virginia primaries, and I was going to vote, and I saw a guy I thought I would never see again, Corey Stewart, for the Virginia primaries. Oh, boy. <laughs> I hope I don't have to tell you why this guy is a piece of shit, but... I think you guys already know. But to the people that do not know about this piece of, piece of shit from Virginia, he ran, tried to run for the governor yet last year, and he lost to Ed Gillespie, he, which he called a conservative because he didn't agree with them. And now he's thinking that he can run the primary for senator and try to run against Tim Kaine. Hopefully that does not happen today, but if it does happen, that's just going to be a little crazy. Yeah. Tim Kaine's just going to walk away with it. <laughs> but 
Hey, uh, another show. Brittany's the best part. Not really, though. It's actually Jesse Dalmore who's the best part. Hope you enjoy your gift, Jesse, because his birth, the other guy's birthday, Donald Don- John's Trump, is on Thursday. 72 years. 72 years being an asshole. Love the show. Jesse's the best part. Bye. <laughs> um, one, thanks for the 72 year cardboard cutout of the orange face fewer. Mm. We appreciate that, mm-hmm. Chase. Um, and Chase's worst nightmare came true. It did. Corey Stewart. Uh, and I got to play a clip here. Is it the Chris Cuomo interview? It is the Chris Cuomo interview. This is a beautiful <laughs> interview, and we're not going to play all 16 minutes. No, That's how just long about, it was. Just about three minutes of it. So if you uh, you hear it, and then you get a little taste of it, and you will, and you want more, and you will, you should go find the whole thing and watch the whole thing, because it's great. <laughs> it's on YouTube, on CNN's YouTube And channel. I want to praise Chris, Chris Cuomo real quick, because he is... He's a boss. He is amazing, and he is quick on his feet. He has a response to everything. He's super logical yeah. and awesome. It is just fantastic to watch his interviews. You know... Uh, one thing you probably never hear Chris Cuomo say. I'm not prepared. Oh. That guy's prepared. You are so hateful. <laughs> Here's the interview. We come right into the interview with, with Corey Stewart, by the way, calling Ed Gillespie a cuck conservative oh. as an actual candidate is. Come on. Just come on, dude. Seriously. <laughs> but going back to the interview here. Uh, we're coming into it with Corey Stewart accusing Chris Cuomo's father, Mario Cuomo, former governor of New York, of being a rabid anti-Semite. Keeping in mind that Mario Cuomo just recently died, and he's accusing his dead father of being an anti-Semitic douche. The way your own father said anti-Semitic things, did you oh, ever condemn please. him? That's Listen, true. My father is dead and buried and was 10 times the man you'll ever be on your best day. So <laughs> well, stay comparing you know yourself to you the never wanted, that you, you never want to condemn. Okay? You never want to condemn the extremism on your own side of the aisle. There is none and I on have my side of the extremism aisle. My aisle is the truth. Time again. I am a journalist. Was that a Confederate flag that you were just in front of taking that man's you endorsement? See, yes look, or no? You know what? Let me tell you something. Yes or no? You want to condemn everything that's happening. You can't happened. even answer the questions. You want to condemn Southern heritage. You want to condemn everything. You want to I don't want to condemn monuments. anything except none of that helps anybody. Lies. None of that. Okay, helps you tell anybody. me. How does a statue of Arthur Ashe offend your idea I of never Southern said heritage? It did. Hines did. Uh, Chris, and you I never, never said, said he was did. wrong, did you? Chris, I don't agree with that statement. Then why did you How ever say that? I have to tell you what I believe. But why didn't you How ever say times? it? Why so don't you ask right me now. what I believe? Say, and I just say told Heinz, you I don't agree with any of that. Say Heinz. You're, this is the guilt by association that the left of course always it is. plays. You're in front of a Confederate flag accepting con- the endorsement of a known hater. You, you have never. Can, have you ever condemned Antifa? Mr. Stewart. Well, Whether I the question, had Chris, or I hadn't, have you two ever big points of fact. Antifa? One, has Tim that's Tim irrelevant. And two, Antifa. I'm not running for oh, public office. So it's irrelevant for, for me. Am I running for, for Senate in Virginia? Do I want people Look, to accept to, me you know what? as their designated leader before Congress? You're trying to change the topic. The topic no, is the economy. You're the topic. 
The topic you are trying to change the topic. <laughs> Deny the fact. The topic is making the world safe in the Korean Listen. Peninsula, and people are sick and tired of the far I'll left tell you like what you sick of. and Tim Kaine always trying to change the topic. I'll tell you what, what they're Americans sick truly of. Believe in. You are the topic, my brother. You are the topic, and here's what you need to do. Here's my suggestion. You do with it what you will. Own what and who you are. Obviously, the Trump team knows who you are, and they like you. Don't run away from your past. Don't run away from the things that you obviously you know, embrace. You're, you're, this is Own such a joke, of even who for you CNN. If you want to be intolerant and be a bigot and be in front of the so Confederate flag. Above what is honest. But why can't you be honest? You are part and parcel of the tell the campaign. Truth? He had a report. You, you haven't as a, denied as a single fact campaign. that I've suggested, Mr. Stewart. Do you know that? Did you take his endorsement, Mr. Hines? Yes or no? Did you take it? I'm, I take support from whoever wants to give it to me. That doesn't mean I support their views. No, Chris. Ma- that does not mean I support their so views. So you think that you can I take the support of somebody? Anything to do with anybody who's racist or bigoted or anti-Semitic? Hold I've on, got to, hold on a second. Let's I just, just told let, you I'm the world's foremost expert on what I believe, and I don't believe any of those things Listen, that you're trying to accuse me of uh, believing. I just like want to repeat what you just said. First of all, of course, there's guilt by association. Don't associate with known dirtbags, and you won't be guilty <laughs> of doing that. Okay, that's your well, problem. Now, so why? Why well, you just you said conde- I will accept the support? How can you have a condemned Antifa? I don't understand. Hey, bigots, it's a domestic anti-Semites, organization. Anti-Semites, white supremacists. Those you have know, a nice way of describing party. them. But hey, hold on, you just way, said something, Mr. Stewart. Way, I want the audience to hear this. By the hold way, on. I want- Hold on. Wait, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. You're talking I want the audience to hear what you said. Let me just say. I will accept the support of anyone. (laughs) It doesn't mean I accept their views. So something that does bother me about this particular part of the interview is that they're talking over each other most of the time. But I will say this was an interesting part toward the end there where he's saying he doesn't care where the support comes from as long as he has support. Yeah. There isn't even... Um, an attempt to say I disavow or yeah, I don't want their support. Yeah. They're dead to me. I don't care about those people. There's still a hint of, hey, I don't want to alienate some people, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I also love how this fucking moron talks about Southern heritage. Oh, you don't like Southern heritage. He's from Minnesota. Yeah. You can hear the Minnesota in his accent. Like Steve King from Iowa, who also... Yeah, acts like he's a big Southern Heritage guy. Yeah. <laughs> Jackass. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think the whole entire audience commiserates with you, Chase. That's a bummer. But I believe Chase to be right when he says that uh, Chase uh, Tim Kaine's going to run away with it. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't see the people of... The good people of Virginia, Richmond... At Fredericksburg, Northern Virginia, so many other areas around the state. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna come out show up in mass for for this bigot, this anti semite, this cavorter with racists. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. No matter what Donald Trump, goddamn. It is alarming does. that he won. Very alarming. I was tracking the race mm-hmm. on Tuesday, and it was uh, it was a bummer. And that Donald Trump tweeted him. Yeah. And is backing him. And that's that's something I appreciated about Chris Cuomo. He focused a lot of the time on that, saying, listen, uh, I'm going to ask you these questions because the president is backing you and uh, I need some answers here. Yeah. And of course, he didn't give them. He he didn't answer anything. Yeah. So so the other thing that happened today, um, Jeff Sessions gave a speech where he quoted scripture 
in, in, in a way to justify the splitting up of families who crossed the border without documentation. Uh, well, first, let's just get out of the way. Let, let's play the clip, and then we're going to talk about how ridiculous it is for the Attorney General of the United States of America, the head of the Department of Justice, to to quote Scripture, to quote Romans, in justification of their actions. It is un-American. I thought I'd take a little bit of digression here to uh, discuss some concerns raised by our church friends about separation of families. Many of the criticisms raised in recent days are not fair, not logical, and some are contrary to plain law. First, illegal entry into the United States is a crime. It should be, it must be, if you're going to have a legal system and have any limits whatsoever. Persons who violate the law of our nation are subject to prosecution. If you violate the law, you subject yourself to prosecution. And I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained, ordained the government for his purposes. Orderly and lawful processes are good in themselves, consistent fair application of law is in itself a good and moral thing and that protects the weak it protects the lawful well let me tell you something mr persecuted 70 percent christian you fucking coward jim crow was also the law in the south in your home state alabama where they persecuted and oppressed and subjugated black Americans. Would the wise Apostle Paul also have said, God has ordained the government to do the good work. Did it also apply? Did that scripture also apply to Jim Crow? Did it also apply to Plessy versus Ferguson? Separate but equal? You fucking fraud. Well, this is where they get themselves into trouble, right? <laughs> so, like, which Supreme Court justices um, is God using and speaking yeah. to uh, when the decision comes down to make some changes to the government yeah. and to the laws? Um, is God only talking to the ones that you like? It, it is why we clearly have a... a, a, a an anti-establishment clause in the First Amendment of the Constitution. Well, and like I always recommend, um, Jeff Sessions should watch the documentary 12 Years a Slave <laughs> and um, see how the Bible was used in that documentary film. That is exactly right. Um, and uh, I know it's not a documentary. Don't write me. And um, then he'll understand the issue with using the Bible as justification for this. <laughs> Listen, he is not the, the, the pastor general of the department of justice he is the attorney general he has no business quoting scripture uh, while on the fucking job well of course the press briefing today well first of all let me play this did you notice when he that wasn't edited i didn't edit him where he raised his voice about following the law 
and he got loud. Listen how he did it. You to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained the government for his purposes. God has ordained the government for his purposes, but obey the law. That was a natural increase in volume. The dynamics of the clip there, that's all him. Mm-hmm. I didn't edit it that way. Yeah. He's trying to reinforce the idea. Yes. Obey, everybody. So as I was saying, they, they, they had a, a White House press briefing today, mm. and some of the questions did cover this. In fact, one from Jim Acosta that we're going to talk about after I play the, the back and forth between he and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who was also herself an avowed Christian lady, the daughter of a Christian minister, Mike Huckabee. The Attorney General earlier today said that uh, somehow there's a justification for this in the Bible. Uh, where does it say in the Bible that it's moral uh, to take children away from their mothers? Uh, I'm not aware of the Attorney General's comments or uh, what he would be referencing. Uh, I can say that uh, it is very biblical to enforce the law. Uh, that is actually repeated a number of times throughout the Bible that I haven't seen. It's not what I said, and I, I know it's hard for you to understand. Um, even short sentences, I guess, but and please don't take my words out of context. But the separation of illegal fam- alien families. Come on, Sarah, you're a parent. Don't you have any empathy for what these people are going through? They have less than you. Guys, Sarah, come on, settle down. I'm trying to be serious, but I'm not going to have you yell out of turn. Jill, please call. It's a law, and, and they have, these people have nothing. They hey, Ryan, I know you want to get some more TV time, it's but that's not, not that. what this it's is about. about I want to recognize you. Question, Go ahead, Sarah. Jill. Honestly, answer the question. It's a serious question. These people have nothing. They come to the border with nothing, and you throw children in cages. You're a parent. You're a parent of young children. Don't you have any empathy for what they go through? Jill, go ahead. So I support Jim Acosta, and he he really has a rough time because he is often being attacked. Not only is it difficult for him in that room specifically, but it's difficult for him online. Oh, he, yeah. He's been getting attacked by the Daily Caller. He's been getting attacked by Fox News. It's not easy for him. However, this was a horrible question, and yeah. I think it only served the purpose to um, inflame things in the room. And uh, the better question would have been, um, why is Jeff Sessions citing the Bible as justification for the policy on immigration? Yes. That seems inappropriate. And it's even inappropriate for Sarah Huckabee Sanders to respond and say that the Bible calls for whatever. Yes. Why are we even having this conversation? It doesn't fucking matter the what the Bible, Bible says. The Bible is completely irrelevant. Yes. That is not how laws are made in this country. Yes. We are not living in the handmaid's tale. <laughs> that is I, right. I don't understand. Not yet. I don't understand <laughs> what is going on. What is going on? That was a that was a bad question. That was a bad response. We need to have a different conversation about the role that the Bible is playing in this discussion. Here is some exclusive audio of Jim Acosta just before he asked the question. I'm not prepared. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? I I mean, I'm being very funny. In fact, I'm being very funny. That is unbelievable. The hate. It's not. He wasn't prepared. 
You got to know that's not a good question. You think he wasn't prepared? You think he wasn't? I think it was planned. I think he. I think he wanted to stir things up a little bit because God, just not his job. You know, I know it's not his and job. B- but Brian Karam, the same fucking thing. Yeah, I know. You I can't th- ask her. Have you no empathy? You have kids. She's not the one writing the policy. She's just the representative of the administration. You don't ask her about her kids and her belief. Right. It's what does the president believe? Exactly. That's the question. Yes. Yes, 100%. Uh, Look, I don't mind being an opponent of the administration. I think that's fucking clear, everybody. But there are certain things that it's just a bridge too far. It's enough. Yeah, she's a piece of shit. Yes. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a soulless piece of shit. I get it. Well, it's another instance where you're handing the other side just a beautiful, perfectly wrapped gift to use against the left. And to use against rational people who have legitimate critiques of this administration. Stop doing that. Listen, not only is the better question, why is he quoting the Bible? The easier question is, why is he quoting the Bible? Not, tell me where in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, why are it's we not talking a fucking about Bible it? lesson. Yeah, why are we talking about it? The Bible. Yeah, it just, Can we stop? It's enough. Yeah. We don't need to, where in the Bible? Oh, you're not going to ask a gotcha question about where in the Bible. They're, they can twist it any way they fucking want. The question is, why are we talking about the Bible? It's irrelevant. Yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is like, hold on, let me get my Bible Gateway app. Um, I'll get yeah. you the exact. <laughs> uh. I'll get you the exact verse. We'll go back and forth. We'll do a scripture off, Jim. <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk about is this interview that D- Donald Trump did on Air Force One with Brett Baer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with another guy I'm not a fan of over at Fox News. Because he's been photographed yes. having parties at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, buddying up, palling around with fucking the President of the United States. I don't and think- then expected to give objective, tough questions to the President. I don't know that he was in the picture with Donald Trump, but he was definitely like at a party at Mar-a-Lago. Yes. When Donald Trump was there, I, I think he took a picture with Donald Trump. Okay, that's possible. I, I, I'm just my memory holds that. Okay, and we all know that you have one of the greatest memories of all time. One of the great memories of all time. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Come on now. One of the greats. So here in this first clip is is th- th- this back and forth a little bit about President Xi Jinping in China, or as Donald Trump would say, China. <laughs> and it is just listen. I don't think we have something to worry about right now, but we need to prepare ourselves for Donald Trump to try to have some kind of a fucking power grab. He really is fond and he cannot control himself. He is so fond of the idea of being president for life. It's alarming. China looks at this and says, well, this is kind of what we want. North Korea that's under control, a U.S. that's maybe disengaging from the region. No, I think China really would like to see no nuclear weapons. You want to know the truth? Because, look, whether you're semi-friendly with a nation or not, when they have nuclear weapons and you're that close, it can't be a positive feeling. just can't be. So China's been very helpful. I think over the last two months, maybe less so. I think the border got a little bit more open. Now, it didn't affect today's negotiation. But I think the border opened up a little bit more because China could be a little bit upset about trade because we're very strongly clamping down on trade. How strong? Well, I think very strongly. I mean, you'll see over the next couple of weeks. They understand what we're doing. With that being said, I have a very good relationship with President Xi of China. He's, you know, an incredible guy. 
they just, you know, essentially president for life. Yeah. It's pretty good. So North Korea. President for life. It's pretty good. He says. They just, you know, essentially president for life. Yeah. It's pretty good. And you can tell he's smiling. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things where you can hear in his voice that he actually is smiling when he says that. So that's appealing to him. That was an authoritarian power grab of an autocrat. That's what that was. And that's appealing to him. Oh, yeah. He loves it. That's terrifying, but also not surprising, given what we know about Donald Trump, who he's always been, the pattern that he has shown us over the years. He makes, quote unquote, jokes at campaign rallies all the time. About doing what President Xi Jinping did. Mm -hmm. Amending the Constitution. Or who knows what he'd try to do to be president again and again and again. The other, the interview went on. And and here, this is fucking bizarre. Donald Trump makes a claim that thousands of parents of of, uh, war casualties in the Korean War, thousands of their parents came to him asking for their remains back in North Korea. If you do the math, those people would be roughly 100 years old. (laughs) Does anybody believe, any clear-thinking individual, that thousands of centigenarians made their way to Donald Trump and uh, asked him for the remains? That there are thousands of them out there to actually make it to a campaign rally and make their way somehow to get to Donald Trump to talk to him. Come on. And so verification, you're confident you can set up the system. I'm totally confident. And if we can't, we can't have a deal. I mean, we have to be, you know, it has to be verified. But one of the things that really I'm happy is that the soldiers that died in Korea, their remains are going to be coming back home. And we have thousands of people that have asked for that. Thousands and thousands of people. So many people asked when I was on the campaign. I'd say, wait a minute, I don't have any relationship. But they said, when you can, President, we'd love our son to be brought back home. You know, the remains. And I asked, we we had pretty much finished. And I said, would you do me a favor? The remains of of these great fallen heroes, uh, could we do something? He agreed to it immediately. It's pretty great. We would love to have our son back. Get the fuck out of here, you liar. Why is this not a big enough deal for the media? To press about this. It's because there's a million scandals a day. There's 10, 15 scandals that are major administration ending scandals with any other administration on a weekly basis with this fucking clown. This is this is this is not, oh, I met Temmy on the campaign trail and he said he wanted blah blah blah. This is thousands of people. It's absurd. The other thing that is very alarming is Donald Trump's fondness and his lack of fear or concern about voicing his feelings of fondness for Kim Jong-un. How talented he is. How great of a relationship they have. Yeah, he kills people, but eh, he's just a tough guy. You got to be tough when you take over the country from when your dad was ruling. This, coupled with the Xi Jinping president for life stuff, 
should have Americans afraid of what's in his fucking head at any given time. Conference a number of different times and different ways about human rights. And, you know, that you called this relationship really good and that he was a very talented person. You know, you call people sometimes killers. He, you know, he is a killer. I mean, he, he's clearly well, he's a, executing he's people. He's a tough and, guy. Hey, when you take over a country, tough country, with tough people, and you take it over from your father, I don't care who you are, what you are. How much of an advantage you have, if you can do that at 27 years old, you, I mean, that's one in 10,000 that could do that. So he's a very smart guy. He's a great negotiator. But I think we understand each other. But I mean, he's still some, done some really bad things. Yeah, but so have a lot of other people done some really bad things. I mean, I could go through a lot of nations where a lot of bad things were done. Now, look, with all of that being said, the answer is yes. I'm going from today. I'm going from maybe 90 days ago because we really started this. We got a call that he was going to the Olympics. He would like to go to the Olympics. And that was sort of the beginning of what we have right now. And we're very far down the line. You saw the agreement. Nobody thought we were going to have an agreement like that. And things were given to me, as you know from the news conference, things were given to me, Brett, that were not even part of the agreement. I got them after we had signed the agreement. So he's acting like Kim Jong-un was dealt a poor hand and that he overcame some great adversity and has championed the cause of his people and has taken care of them in the face of great adversity, has overcome it and is taking care of his people. No... Donald Trump. That's right. The people are not well off. The people are not well taken care of. The people are abused, starving, scared, um, isolated from their family, cannot escape. They're trying to escape. So don't act like he has some amazing feat of genius that he did. And he's so young and amazing. And also he's tough. In response to the murders that he's committed, yeah. he's a tough guy. I mean, who is this guy? A clown. Listen, lest anybody think that this is a one-off, that Donald Trump just happened to, well, it was just a bad moment for him. Another interviewer, Greta Van Susteren, who's now with Voice of America, she asked him a very similar line of questioning. I think he liked me, and I like him, and I understand the past, and, you know, nobody has to tell me he's a rough guy. He has to be a rough guy, or he has been a rough person. Uh, Did you hear that? He has to be a rough guy. That's code for he has to murder his people. He has to starve his people. He has to order the summary execution of people who attempt escape to the South. He has to, Brittany, according to Donald Trump. He's so fond of this guy, this murderer, this human rights violator. But uh, we got along very well. He's smart, uh, loves his people. He loves his country. He wants uh, a lot of good things, and that's why he's doing this. But, he, but he's, he's starved them. He's been brutal to them. He still loves his people. 
Look, he is doing what he's seen done. I mean, you, if you look at it, but I, I really have to go by today and by yesterday and by a couple of weeks ago, because that's really when this whole thing started. Because this is Voice America, it will be heard in North Korea by the citizens of DPRK of North Korea. What do you want to say directly to the citizens of North Korea? Well, I think you have somebody that has a great feeling for them. He wants to do right by them. and. We got along really well. We had a great chemistry. You understand how I feel about chemistry. It's very important. I mean, I know people where there is no chemistry. No matter what you do, you just don't have it. We had it right from the beginning. I talked about that. And uh, I think great things are going to happen for North Korea. That's Donald Trump running interference for a fucking autocrat, a dictator, a murderer. Donald Trump apparently is the part-time propaganda minister for the Democratic Republic of North Korea. Running interference for the chairman, Kim Jong-un. I would have his people know that he loves them. And he has good things in store for them. He wants to take care of them. That is patently fucking false. And it is disgusting that it comes out of the mouth of the President of the United States. I would not want to hear the advice that Donald Trump has for a domestic violence abuse victim. Right. He, he loves you. He's sorry. He'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. That is a fucking disgusting display. Well, and it, where are the Republicans? That's what I was just getting ready to say. Uh, Paul or Paul Ryan, who acts like he doesn't know anything about Scott Pruitt when asked. Oh, oh I, I don't. don't, I don't I'm, I'm not so busy date. on the Hill. Yeah, I haven't oh, heard I'm anything. So busy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't read the news. Apparently, is what he's saying. <laughs> Here, here's here's. I don't read the Daily News yeah. about he, Scott here's, Pruitt. Here's Paul Ryan talking about it. I'm not prepared. You know what? <laughs> This is unbelievable. Just the overwhelming hatred. It never gets old. That you have. It never, ever gets old. I think it's going to get real old. Yeah? Real quick. I'm not prepared. Uh. (laughs) Let's let's end the show there. How long are we? We're an hour and 53 minutes. It's like a Joe Rogan podcast. Minus a couple blank spots where I was coughing or whatever. So there's some time out. But we're in the 150. All right. Yeah. So we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. What do you think about all of this? Do you still have advice for Heather? Are you sick of... Uh, uh, of being told that your your intolerance of people's intolerance is intolerable. All of these topics are on the table. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos, voice memos to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you. We would also love for you to become a Patreon supporter. Helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode. Helping fund the effort to do a bi-weekly hashtag third episode, which is happening starting next week. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Brittany E. Page at Dollamore. Dollamore.com slash Patreon. We would love to have you in the Patreon family. Thank you, guys. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt. Did she read that paragraph and think, yeah, who gives a fuck about that? 